What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, October 24th. Are we living in a police state? That is the topic of the conversation I will be having today with documentary filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza, who joins me on the podcast. His new film, Police State, is now out in select theaters. We are going to take a deep dive into the film and so much more. Also featured in the film is none other than Cash Patel, who will also be joining me on the show today. He's got a brand new book out titled Government Gangsters. You're not going to want to miss this. It's information packed. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lay Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to The Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. And boy, do I have a special treat for you guys today. Please, if you're watching this live on Rumble, share the broadcast with everybody in your contact list. Let's get as many people into the live here as possible, because I've got two phenomenal guests, Dinesh D'Souza and Cash Patel, both joining me on the show today. And so get down there and hit that share button here to like and get involved in the chat. Because there's going to be so much information flying around today. Uh, I would love to hear your takes on it. Get some discussions going down there. And also, when I left you guys uh, last week on Thursday, I announced that I have launched a new community on Locals. So if you are a fan of this podcast, if you want to support me and the Alec Lay show, you can do so now on Locals. So join the Locals community. If you're watching on Rumble, there's going to be a link right below the video Tap the link and you'll get right into the community there. I'd love to get some live videos going, some chats going. I'd love to do maybe some exclusive interviews just for the locals community. So let's try to build it up, have some fun, support the show, and let's see what we can do there. Uh, Also, uh, I've got some big guest announcements that will be coming. The only reason I'm getting these big guests is because of you, the listener, you, the watcher out there. I can't say thank you enough. And today, obviously, is no exception with both Dinesh and Cash joining me here. But if you are a first-time watcher, first-time listener, please follow the channel here on Rumble. I also have another channel that I'm trying to build up called the Alec Lay Show channel because I started this under First Class Fatherhood. But follow the page that you're watching this show on Rumble. Follow it. Share it. Help me out as much as you can with that. And this is going to be great. I'm a big fan of Dinesh D'Souza. If you are as well, you know, I did a couple of interviews with Dinesh on First Class Fatherhood. I did one in which he joined the show with his daughter, Danielle. I did a father-daughter interview with Dinesh D'Souza and his daughter, Danielle. And it was such a fun and phenomenal interview. So I don't think they've ever done anything like that before or since. I think it's the only time they've ever done that. So I'm going to put a link to that interview down in the description below. So again, if you're a fan of Dinesh D'Souza or a fan of his uh, daughter, Danielle, you've got to check out that interview. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And it's always an honor when I get a chance to talk to Dinesh D'Souza. I'm a big fan of his. I've read most of his books. I've seen all of his documentaries. Uh, They are so well done, so informative. And Police State is no different than that. The link to Police State that he wants you to use to watch it is down there in the description below as well. So make sure you tap that link and use that to watch Police State and share it with everybody in your contact list as well. All right, so I'm going to hit you guys with Dinesh D'Souza right here, right out of the gate. And then following my interview with Dinesh, I'll be joined by Cash Patel, who is also featured in the film Police State. 
Uh, so he also has a new, uh, brand new book out, Government Gangsters. So we're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about the documentary and so much more. And if, if you're watching this show, then there's no doubt you are a fan of Cash Patel, just like I am. So th- I'm blessed to have these guys on the show again. I owe it all to you. And just a quick program note. I will be on the bottom line on Fox Business tomorrow about 6.40 p.m. So if you'd like to catch me on there, uh, tune into Fox Business around a quarter to seven tomorrow night, Eastern Standard Time. I will drop the highlights of the show on Thursday's episode of The Alec Lay Show, as I usually do when I make an appearance over on the bottom line. So if you want to check that out, go for it. All right, so right now we're going to take a dive into this. Are we living in a police state? Well, Dinesh D'Souza knows better than anybody else. He's got the brand-new documentary out about it right now. He's a best New York Times best-selling author. Uh, he's got the host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. You know him. Uh, it's an honor to have him, so let's do it. Here comes my interview right now with Dinesh D'Souza on The Alec Lay Show. And joining me now, Dinesh D'Souza, welcome to The Alec Lay Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor every time I get a chance to speak with you, Dinesh, and I love when you have a new documentary coming out like you do now. This one couldn't be more timely as they just put duct tape over the former president's mouth, and he is the number one campaign uh, opponent to Joe Biden. So talk to me right now. What is this? What do we got to look forward to here at Police State? Well, as you say, this gag order on Trump, uh, they're trying to shut down the opposition party and police states. You know, they tend to be one party states. This is not to say that they don't allow an opposition or even elections. I mean, look, China has elections, Iran has elections, but what they don't allow is effective opposition. And that's the threat that Trump seems to pose. The movie is about Trump, but it's also about a lot more than Trump. We cover January 6th, but we also cover ordinary people in their walks of life, whether speaking out at school board meetings or they're getting involved in pro-life activism or getting involved in one or another cause. And they find that the heavy breath of the police state is upon them. So I feature these people in the movie. And I also feature a lot of people who are whistleblowers, informants, people who know how the they know the architecture of the police state, how it's organized, how it how it carries out its nefarious duties. And I think it's interesting, too, Dinesh, you mentioned January 6th. We've been told that this is the greatest attack on democracy. They compare it to 9-11. Yet when the atrocious attacks happened by Hamas and Israel, people were quick to compare that to 9-11. Nobody dared compare it to January 6th because that would have been ridiculous. Yet we're told January 6th was this big, huge event. Now, we know the police state. Obviously, Trump politicians are at stake. But how, how, how great is the threat to Trump supporters, Trump influencers, surrogates, voters? How, how, how deep does this go? Well, the reason it's very worrisome is it doesn't occur in just one place. In fact, it occurs in multiple areas of the government. People will say, Dinesh, you're making a movie about the FBI. I'm just like, wait, you know, the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security is 10 times bigger than the FBI. A lot of censorship, a lot of political targeting comes out of DHS. But our police state includes the CDC. It includes the cybersecurity agency called CISA. It in- involves the White House, the DOJ, the State Department, the CIA, so many different elements of the government. And not only that, also the private sector. If you look at censorship, censorship involves the involves elements of academia, the media, the digital platforms, the nonprofit groups, and the government, all working in a kind of coordination. So this is quite an octopus stretching between the public and the private sector both. And it just seems like, Dinesh, it's just the one side, because even in in the clip of the trail, you have Chuck Schumer saying, you take on the intelligence agency, they got six ways from Sunday of getting back at you. 
by you, meaning the Republicans, because it doesn't seem like they're getting back at all at the Democrats. And we're seeing this constant, you know, we see Trump with the documents in his house, Biden documents in the backseat of his Corvette. One is being prosecuted and persecuted. The other one, there's not even anything going on. So does the Democrats just feel safe and secure that the FBI, the CIA, these other agencies that you mentioned are just under their control? Exactly. When people say to me, Dinesh, you know, I don't I don't worry about being censored and you know, the FBI is never going to come to my door. I say that that's usually because you are helping to build the police state. See, we don't have a full-fledged police state. If we had a full-fledged police state, no one would really be safe because even socialist police states don't hesitate to go after socialists. Stalin arrested a lot of socialists and a lot of communists. So in the end, even the left is not safe. But while a police state is is being built, while it's under construction, so to speak, it needs a constituency to help build it up. And that constituency is temporarily protected by the police state. So right now, the, the FBI and the police agencies of government protect the left and the Democrats. And in exchange, the left and the Democrats protect the police state. And what's fr- frustrating about this, Dinesh, is that we know this is happening, and yet we we seem almost powerless to stop it. Just like 2,000 Mules, your, your your documentary there was phenomenal at exposing what was going on, yet it's just like we know it happened, but we still have to live with the result that we got. And to say, like Trump, I can't imagine how frustrated he must be uh, knowing that they were spying on his campaign, knowing that the Hunter laptop was real, uh, and they told him that the, it was disinformation. Uh, Russiagate, he knows that he was innocent in that, and he wasn't being helped by the Russians, but yet he can't seem to do anything. He almost seems powerless to stop it, despite the fact that we have mounts, mountains of evidence to prove otherwise. It just seems it's so frustrating. Well, one reason is that some of our other institutions have become corrupted. I mean, look at the way, for example, that the media, this is outside the government, and yet they they not only brazenly lie, but they lie sort of in coordination. Part of what I try to explain in this film is you can have coordination without conspiracy. Uh, Imagine, for example, all these thousands of news organizations, hundreds and hundreds of journalists, and they all suppress the Hunter Biden story. Now, how is that possible? They don't get on an early morning Zoom call and say, hey, guys, listen, none of us is going to touch this story. But yet they act as if they did. They act sort of like birds in a flying formation in which they sort of don't aren't openly talking to each other, but they're all going in, in, in a kind of pattern and all headed for the same destination. So this is part of what makes the problem uh, far bigger. And it's not just about the 2024 election, because even if we win the 2024 election, the problems in academia, in the media, in the nonprofits, which are, see, very often these nonprofit agencies are the middleman in the censorship uh, uh, transaction. The government makes the list, but they don't want to openly censor people because the Supreme Court might get wind of it and stop them. So they hand off the list to a the Stanford Internet Observatory or this group called the Virality Project. Hey, you guys go to the digital platforms and then get all these people censored. So they're doing censorship by surrogate. And and just to your point there with them parroting the same thing, we saw that during COVID when they would come out on Twitter and they all had these identical tweets. Oh, I got COVID, but thank God I got my booster shot. Now I won't have it so severe. They all seem to say the same, told the same line. And now, you know, as we go to the 2024 election here, is it is Twitter or X now, is that a place where we can rely on to be uncensored? Or do you see that as the police state uh, coming to shut them down, as I know that they're trying to do in other countries? Uh, Is Elon Musk facing an uphill battle with all these agents? Because he seems to be the only spot there, Rumble, uh, two spots we can go to where we're allowed to still speak freely. 
Well, it's true that the, the the party of censorship is would love to get control. They've lost control of X. And, and there are some conservatives who say I'm still being banned. And there probably are some algorithms and stuff that are still in place that need to be rooted out. It takes a while for the bureaucracy of these large companies to shift. But there's no question that X is vastly freer than it was before. And it is vastly freer than the other platforms like YouTube, which is owned by Google or Meta, Facebook. So uh, yes, I think that that it, we have seen a sea change because of Elon Musk. And thank you know, I'm really glad that he that he bought that platform. Look, this is a scary movie, and it covers. Uh, you know, I show you people who have who tell you how the police state is organized, and I show you ordinary people who have come face to face with the police state, uh, who have experienced what Orwell called the boot stamping on a human face. And I think this is what will bring it home to people because. You and I can talk about it. The ordinary American is like, well, yeah, but I know, don't have any experience of a police state. I don't even know what that's going to feel like. And ordinary people tend to think like if it doesn't have a Stalin overcoat or a Hitler mustache, you know, it's not a police state. But our police state is very cunning because it marches behind the banner of law and democracy and uh, upholding truth in the face of misinformation and even protecting freedom. So ours is a police state with a facade and a disguise. And what the film does is it penetrates the facade. And nobody does it better than you, Dinesh. You take these complex issues and you break them down to very consumable material for everybody to understand and see it clearly as what's going on. And obviously we have this police state. Uh, and I would think that Trump getting into the White House again in 2024, he is going to go hard at these three letter agencies to dismantle or reimagine them, if you will. Now, that part would probably hurt him trying to get into the White House. The other part, I think all this stuff is helping Trump in his campaign. I would argue that him being mugshotted, him being muzzled, I would think that that's really rallying the base behind him. On the other hand, the the powers that be on these three-letter agencies, they're after him because they know that he's coming for him. So how do you see it play out? Is this good or bad for Trump? Well, I don't know. It's a little hard to foresee what it will be like next year if Trump is running and let's just say he is convicted on some of these charges or maybe even incarcerated. I mean, the impact of that on the American um, uh, conscience, on the American imagination is just impossible to call. I do think that it's it's so blatant what they're doing to Trump. Look, if they had made one charge against Trump and said, listen, it's this is unprecedented, but guess what? This guy took some classified documents. He was stubbornly holding on to them. He refused to turn them back. Well, we think this is a crime. Okay, we can debate it. But 90 plus charges, um, you know, in multiple jurisdictions is, you know, it's a shotgun approach. If we can't get him in DC, we'll get him in Florida. If we can't get him in Florida, we'll get him in Georgia. Or, or if we can't get him in Georgia, we'll get him in New York. If we can't get him on the criminal, we'll wreck his businesses. I mean, this is classic police state thuggery, and you'd have to be born yesterday or completely blind not to be able to see it. I would almost think it's an admission of guilt, Dinesh, that they cheated in the last election by the fact that they're going after Trump so hard. Because if you've got 80 million votes legitimately and you can rely on those for the next election, you don't need to do all this to President Trump. You don't need to go after him like this at all. But if you didn't get those kind of votes and then the jig is going to be up once the, when the curtain comes up and they see you didn't get nowhere near close to 80 million votes in this next election, that's going to be a big problem for them. So I think almost by them doing this, 90 charges, putting the duct tape on his mouth, uh, raiding his home, I think all of this is almost an admission uh, that they stole that election in 2020. 
I think that is true. Uh, I also think, though, that there are some Americans who think, you know, I'm not Trump and and I didn't go in the Capitol in January 6th and I pay my taxes, so I'm safe. I'm immune. The FBI will never come banging down my door. And I want to convince that, that guy, it, you know, you couldn't be more wrong. So that's why I have a lot of ordinary people in the film going about their business. They're active in school board meetings or on pro-life issues or other issues. And suddenly they discover that they are under surveillance. So they discover that the government is somehow keeping track of them or is going after them or has raided their home. So I want people to uh, I want people to really experience a police state in America, because once the police state is fully uh, fledged, once it's fully consolidated, there's not a lot you can do. I mean, at that point, all you can do is run, uh, get out, get your family out, get your money out if you can. Uh, so now, while there's a window of time, I think we need to be aware of what's going on so we can do the things that are necessary to restrict and roll back the police state. And I think Dinesh also as citizens have made this a lot easier for them to do to us to, to, to do the police state, because I call it the three C's, COVID, climate and conflict. Those three things have allowed them to surveillance us in ways that we, we never had seen before. And so it is scary. And I know we're going to be get, getting up against the clock here, but uh, I wanted to ask your opinion. What is the what is the threat is the, uh, of Donald Trump being assassinated? Because it seems like uh, it, it's amazing to me that that he hasn't. I mean, there must have been multiple attempts that we don't know about, but his security must be tired than anything. But is there a legitimate threat that they would take him out? Well, the pathological hatred of him, which is how you assess these things, is is off the charts. And in fact, I've talked to people on the left who, when you say the words police state, they go, oh, yeah, Dinesh, you're right. We are moving toward a police state. They agree with me. And I go, really? And they go, yeah, but it's not because of what you say. It's because of Trump. He's an authoritarian. He's like Hitler circa 1933. And then these MAGA Republicans, they want to take away our freedom. They want to ban abortion. They want to restrict trans rights. So amazingly, the left, there are people on the left who think that we are moving toward a police state, but we are responsible for it. We are the ones who are the architects of this of this police state. And so in the movie, I say, all right, well, let's try to figure out who's right. How do we know if the threat of the police state is coming from the right or from the left? By the way, if I can say this movie, we have bought out hundreds of theaters um, and we are um, we are offering tickets on our website, which is policestatefilm.net. If you plug in your zip code, boom, all the theaters come up and you can you can go with your friends or your church or your conservative group. It's a fun movie to see in the theater, and it's a fun movie to see with other people. Now, if you can't go to the theater, then October 27th, Friday, we have the virtual premiere. You can watch from home. It's the full screening of the film, live Q&A with Dan Bongino and me to follow, and all for the price of a movie ticket. So the one-stop shop to get tickets, policestatefilm.net. And I got the link to that right down there below so the listeners can just get down there, tap it, check it out. Uh, I know you're going to be doing the premiere down at Mar-a-Lago. Best of luck to you. And, and by the way, too, the same people calling Trump uh, Hitler and a Nazi for the last five years all of a sudden are supporting Hamas and the extermination of Jews. Isn't that interesting? But uh, police state, got the link down there below. Dinesh D'Souza, it's always an honor to speak with you. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on The Outlay Show. My pleasure. All right. Big time honor to have Dinesh D'Souza join me here on the Alec Lay Show. You got to see Police State. It's must see. Anytime anything Dinesh D'Souza puts out there is always must see, must read, must hear. So get down there. Use the link below 
to check out Police State. And again, I'm just honored to have Dinesh on the podcast here with me. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. Let me know your comments on it down below. And we are just getting started here. We're going to keep the ball rolling right now with Cash Patel, who is also featured in Police State. He's got a brand new book out titled Government Gangsters. And you, if you if you know anything about Cash Patel, you know he is tied right into everything that's going on right now. He's got a pipeline right into the intelligence world. His accolades are many, but he was the former chief of staff uh, to the U.S. De- Secretary of Defense. He was the deputy assistant to the president on National Security Council, the deputy director of national intelligence, uh, in all during the Trump administration. So he's tied in. He's locked in. He's got his ear. He's got sources all over the place. Uh, you know he brings the information. He's got a phenomenal delivery. I'm a fan of his. I know you are as well. So Cash Patel joins me. I'm going to hit you guys with a quick spot on the other side. I'm back with Cash Patel. You're listening to the Alec Lee Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lace Show. The future is family. Welcome back to the Alec Lay Show. Don't forget, I am now available on Locals. If you want to join my community on Locals, the link to my community is right below the video that you're watching on Rumble. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, the link is in the description of the podcast episode. I just launched it last week. If you guys would like to support me, support this show, get involved in some live chats. Um, I, I said, I, as, as we build it up, I'd love to do some exclusive interviews just for the Locals community. So tap the link down there and let's see what we can do. Don't forget to follow this channel on Rumble uh, and share it with as many people as you can. All right, Cash Patel, uh, the Deputy Director of National Intelligence under President Donald Trump. He's going to join me right now. He's got a brand new book out, Government Gangsters. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about police state and so much more. So let's get him in. He's in the Zoom room. Here we go. Joining me now, Cash Patel. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Hey, Alec. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Honored to have you here, Cash. And Listen, this is supposed to be a government of the people, by the people and for the people. It doesn't seem to be that way anymore. It seems to be taken over by these what you call government gangsters here. When you think of the word gangster, we think Al Capone, John Gotti. uh, But you got him here as government gangsters. So who are these guys? Yeah, look, as a New Yorker growing up with those and hearing names like that, you know, you you hear about the evils and crimes and murders that those gangsters in New York and other big cities committed. And the tragic reality is the government gangsters, as I talk about in my book, are worse than them. I'm not saying they're out there committing murder and things like that. But, you know, even John Gotti did some good for the neighborhood. These guys are doing no good for anybody and are increasing their own bottom line and their own egos in the media. And it was about time they got called out and they have to get called out hard, but also with the solution, not just the complaint as to who they are and why they corrupted a government. 
Yeah, and Cash, obviously you, you dropped a bombshell the other day on the war room talking about how we have like an enemy inside the gates here, enemy in the wire. Who is this uh, Iranian guy, Mahar Bitar, and yeah. how in the world did he slip through and get involved in our intelligence agency? Well, what's the latest on that? Well, a special news drop for you. My op-ed is uh, part two is about to release uh, today while this airs um, on this Iranian infiltration, as I call it, the United States government. Yes, you heard that correctly. And no, this is not a right wing conspiracy theory. These are just the facts laid out. Three individuals of Iranian or pro-Palestinian uh, favor have risen to the highest ranks of the U.S. government. Mahar Batar used to be Adam Schiff's general counsel. We all know that guy. Um, when I was running Russiagate, Mahar Batar was the counterpart over there. He wrote the Schiff memo, you know, the thing that was full of total lies. He would later go on, work with Samantha Powers, was in the Obama NSC. But he's in charge of the White House for President Biden's intelligence program shop. Okay, what does that matter? Who cares? It serves one singular purpose on the National Security Council. What intelligence should the United States of America focus on? Should we focus on climate change or should we focus on, I don't know, terrorist, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, Russia, the CCP? That individual at the head of that shop, Mahar Batar, decides for President Trump what is a priority. Now, why is this important? It's not just because of his incompetence and his bias during Russiagate. I'll be releasing a photo of Mahar Batar in pro-Palestinian garb with the words behind him on the wall that say, um, and Jewish-Israeli apartheid. This is who is in charge of intelligence programs. So forget me and what I write. You can look at the, the pictures. And then it gets worse. There's Robert Malley, who is the presidential special envoy for Iran, who's supposed to be Joe Biden's top Iran diplomat, preventing us from war. He was the architect for Barack Obama of the JCPOA. Okay, let's put that aside. Why is he an issue now? The FBI under Chris Ray, of all things, suspended Robert Malley recently because he mishandled classified documents. So the Iran envoy that President Biden selected has been sidelined, and we have no further information on it. And he's on leave of absence from the State Department. And the last individual, Ariana Tabate. She is the chief of staff for the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations. Now, being the guy that used to run DOD, that's a huge position. Why does she matter? Her and Robert Malley are buddies. They've been pro-Iranian buddies for years. Ariana Tabatai got caught emailing the Iranian Foreign Ministry while serving a pro-U.S. position seeking permission to engage and go on trips to support supposedly pro-U.S. positions. This was all revealed to the Defense Department, and they have failed to remove her security clearance or her from her post. And do you know how she got that job? She used to work for Robert Malley. Robert Malley placed her in that position. This is this is crazy cash. And it's just, you know, so many people understand the fact that Biden tells you himself, I'm just following my orders. Right. He said this <laughs> time and time again. So everyone's kind of I think when you talk about Joe Biden, everyone kind of has this understanding. Even the people that are that are voted for him are on his side kind of understand he's not running the show here. No. He's not the guy in charge. But who is the who are the people responsible for putting these people that you just mentioned into office? Who's doing this? Like who is at the head of the snake here? That's that's actually behind the bar. I know a lot of people point to Brian. Obama's really the puppet master here. But who who are the people that are making these uh, decisions to put these people inside Biden's administration? 
Yeah, these corrupt government gangsters are employed by other corrupt government gangsters. And I gave you a little bit of the lineage of Robert Malley, Barack Obama's author of the JCPOA, the Iran deal, the guys that wanted and gave Iran $100 billion in cash and allowed them to proceed to nuclear weapons grade material. Those guys. Well, it's not just them. It's Hillary Clinton. Jake Sullivan is the current national security advisor. He was installed by Hillary Clinton to run the supposed national security policy. And if you recall, Jake Sullivan just last week, or two weeks ago, I should say now, said the Middle East has never been quieter. He went on national TV and said the Middle East has never been quieter. And the next day, World War IV launches. These are the people that are in charge. And of course, Susan Rice used to be in there. All these people are floating back around. Samantha Powers is back in the game. All of the Russiagate bad actors are back in the game. The people running DOJ are the ones that DOJ that I used to work for um, in John Carlin and Lisa Monaco, who are number, now the number two and number three at DOJ. And of course, we know all the faults with the FBI Director Chris Ray's continuous lies to Congress, his hatred of America first uh, people in this country, and his bias in terms of prosecuting and investigating folks. These are just a select few. In the book here in the back, I actually have an index of all government gangsters. I wanted to make it really easy for everybody to follow. Uh, yeah. Government gangsters, the deep state, the truth and the battle for democracy. The link is down there in the description below. And, and, and Cash, this, you mentioned here the FBI. I mean, FBI, CIA, these uh, agencies have obviously been corrupted, infiltrated. Are there good guys still in these agencies that are like embedded, that are just have to kind of keep their mouth shut and their eyes open? Do we have guys that are in there that are that are worth saving and keeping this thing going? Yeah, look, whether it was my time as a national security prosecutor working with the FBI or my time at JSOC and later as a deputy director of national intelligence working with CIA operatives, there's thousands, tens of thousands of amazing Americans who dedicated their careers to serve this country. I don't even know what their political affiliations are because we just never discussed it. We put the mission first. So those folks exist. And when I take on the FBI, the CIA, the DOD, I'm not taking on those folks. I'm taking on the leadership cadre, the people installed at the top levels of those agencies to weaponize and politicize them. I hear from these folks every day. They'll message me and say, we, you know, we wish Donald Trump were back in charge. We wouldn't have World War III and World War IV. And by the way, people keep saying, why say World War IV? Ukraine is a world war. It doesn't matter whether we don't have boots on the ground. We just sent them $120 billion. It's a world war. What's going on in Israel is another world war. And this happened on Joe Biden's watch, supposedly the guy that was going to bring peace to the world. So I encourage everybody not to dismiss the tens of thousands of people at the FBI, at the CIA, at the DOD, at the NSA, and all these other companies. They're doing great work. They just don't have the mandate from the top to go out and do the work that they're supposed to, i.e., collect on Iran, i.e., prosecute terrorists who have illegally crossed the southern border into the United States of America. Those would be two good starting points if their leadership allowed them to do it. Yeah, no doubt, Cash. And the other part of this thing is, too, here is the, the hostage situation that we right now have over with Hamas holding American yeah. citizens hostage. And it just kind of seems like the media is playing no attention to this, paying no attention to this whatsoever. Now, I, I know I, I've done a few interviews with guys who were captured and then saved by SEAL Team 6, Dillip Joseph, Captain Phillips. Uh, and then I've also interviewed the SEALs that have saved them. Like Dillip Joseph was a guy who was captured by the Taliban. Three days later, they got him out. So it was a real quick thing. And I, I understand from talking to some of the SEALs that 
that I know that the locating that locating these guys is the biggest issue that they're having right now because the tunnel systems are so deep over there and it's so hard to figure out where they are. But given that, should there be something more being done from a diplomatic point of view? Should there be something more being done? Should we at least be hearing about it? It seems almost as if nobody cares that there's actually U.S. hostages right now being held by Hamas. Yeah, this one's near and dear to me. I did the ops stuff at JSOC with Special Forces, Tier 1 guys at SEAL Team 6 and Delta on hostage rescue, and I later ran counterterrorism for Donald Trump, and the hostage portfolio was under us. And I just want to remind your audience, President Trump brought out, brought home 54 hostages and detainees from around the world. That's more than every president before him combined. And we spent zero dollars to Iran doing it. And to answer your question about should we be doing more diplomatically, we should be, but we don't have the ability because President Biden has crippled us on the foreign stage. World leaders don't even take his call. I mean, Tony Blinken and the president were over in Israel and were supposed to meet with, you know, Jordan and the Saudis, and they got stood up. They got stood up. Our partners that are supposed to help us in these types of scenarios are standing up our leadership cadre. And what's worse is, you know, yes, this should be headline news every day that we have 10 plus hostages. We have Americans trapped in Gaza. And thank God for warriors like Corey Mills, former Army Special Forces officer, who went in on his own, who's now a congressman, and rescued 40 plus Americans that were trapped. Corey Mills has saved more Americans than Joe Biden. And I'm proud that the Cash Foundation is funding further evacuation operations through great work of Corey Mills and others. But that's what we're doing on the sidelines. The Qataris have rescued two American hostages. So now we have a representative from Congress, a 501c3 in the US, and a foreign government who have all saved more American lives than our current commander in chief. And all you hear from is Tony Blinken babbling on the Sunday show saying, yeah, we should be doing more, but they're trapped in Gaza. And the one thing that you said, you know, it's, 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 it's in my wheelhouse, and I, and I really want to remind the audience, you know, Joe Biden's over there with Delta Force and putting them on international TV and blowing their coverage. Look, I don't mind the show of force, but you can't show their faces. And more importantly, where are you going to send them? You can't retroactively collect intelligence and say, oh, now we know where if you had been looking for the last two years as a priority one, what Hamas was doing, what Iran was doing, what Hezbollah was doing, what they're doing in Syria, you would know where these people likely are. But you cannot blindly send our special forces operators as good as they are. You're setting them up for failure and catastrophe. And so I tragically don't think the hostage scenario is going to get any better under Joe Biden's regime. And it almost seems like it's all by design, Cash. I don't think this is like a mistake. It just seems like it's a, a designed negligence on their part. And I know you say, like you said, Biden just embarrassed himself. He embarrassed our country over there. And his, the guy looks weak. He sounds weak. He walks away very weakly. He looks at note cards while he's talking to world leaders. Like that. That's how much more embarrassing could you be? And then, like you said, you have guys that didn't even show up there to even greet him because they don't take him seriously. Meanwhile, Iran. Russia, uh, uh, China, all these guys got to be seeing this guy as just a weak person that's at the head of our the greatest country in the world. And they're all taking advantage. We see China now sending in six warships into the region. We've never seen anything like this before. And it's all popping off here under Joe Biden's watch while they told you all this was going to happen when Trump got in office. Yeah, it's a what I call it. It's, it's a cataclysmic collision of intentional decisions that have destroyed America's national security and our wasta on the world stage that have led us here. Look, the CCP, Iran, and Russia, those guys are having a dance party at, at the cost of the American national security apparatus, at the cost of American lives. And just to back it up here, what do I mean? How do we get to this position? 
Well, when you reprioritize what your enemies are, when you tell the Department of Defense that the number one priority is climate change and that the existential threat to the, this day, as confirmed by Joe Biden's White House just a week ago, is climate change and the setting sun and not the southern border and not the drug cartels and not the CCP and not Iran, it doesn't matter how good our intelligence guys and gals are, they're forced to look elsewhere. They're forced to look at those things. And after a year or two of that, and this is the thing with the CCP and Iran and Russia, those guys all play the long game and they look for the right opportunity to get through. And that's why people are like, oh, how did Joe Biden miss it? They didn't miss anything. They weren't looking. They were told their operators were told to focus elsewhere. And what is Russia and China and Iran? What do they do? They combine forces. Now we've got the Chinese and the CCP funding Iran, who is funding um, Hezbollah and Hamas. We also have Joe Biden giving away money back to Iran. That's a whole other story. And Russia right now is still at war in Ukraine. And nobody's even talking about that conflict anymore because now we have an even bigger one right here in the Middle East. And our Middle Eastern partners, and this is important to know, the guys that did the Middle East peace accords with President Donald Trump and Jared Kushner, by the way, have to remind the world that we actually had peace in the Middle East and we're on the verge of getting the Saudis and the Israelis to sign off on the same. They basically jettisoned that agreement because they are now talking to the Iranians instead of talking to us. And they are willing to drag this conflict out because they know they are winning the propaganda game on the global stage. I mean, just think about it. America and Israel essentially were attacked by the number one state sponsor of terror in the world. And we can't put an end to this war and we can't get our Americans out and we can't save our hostages. These guys are having a field day. And when people look to the White House for leadership, they're looking at more than just an empty suit. And forget the guy can't walk upstairs, takes a nap halfway through every meeting. It's embarrassing. I'm rooting for Joe Biden on the national security stage. I don't care that he's a Democrat. I want him to succeed. But they are making intentional decisions to to disastrously cost America overseas. And this is a result. And, and, and Cash, th- there's no doubt that there that Hamas didn't just go into Israel and know that think that, OK, we're just going to go in and slaughter these people. And that's going to be the end of this. They're going to say, oh, we can't retaliate. They knew that by doing that, there was going to be massive retaliation, that Gaza would most likely be blown off the map. Yeah. So well, there has to be a, a, a deeper game plan here behind this from Iran, I would imagine. It's not just sending these guys, oh, let's just do this. And there's going to be nothing, no blowback from this. They knew this was going to evoke this kind of response from Israel. So what is the long game here? Is this is this Iran hoping to just draw in the United States? So they say, what is the long game? game in your in your opinion well let's work from the end goal backwards right iran wants nuclear weapons grade material for bomb that's it that's their end goal and after joe biden gave them their billion dollars back the iranian regime kicked out all of the u.n inspectors the only insight we had into not that that was great but at least we had some visibility into their weapons program now we have zero I firmly believe they already have weapons grade material and are well on their way to a nuclear bomb, if not already there. That is the end. Preventing that is the end goal. That's backstopped by their their terrorist efforts, their global terrorism campaign, the IRGC, the Quds Force, and all that nasty stuff. So that is what we should deter. That is what we did deter under President Trump. But you also have to remember Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, they are evil, they are wicked, and they have no rule. They have no rule of law. 
They don't care. When you combine that with a well-funded machine through the CCP, and mark my word, our weapons from Afghanistan that Biden left there are being utilized in this war right now. It's not being reported yet, but it will be. When you have that cataclysmic collision of events led by intentional decisions from America, world war is a result. And, and, and I love how the mainstream media is like, oh, how did the Israeli Defense Force miss? How did Joe, you know, how did America miss? We didn't miss. The Israelis, you have to remember, that whole nation is 9 million people. So as good as the IDF is, they were also suffering from the repercussions of woke decisions at its top leadership, and they weren't looking for against their number one enemy. And what Hamas, and they're also like, oh, there's got to be people who said, you know, Hamas was going to attack Israel. That's like saying intelligence existed that the drug cartels were going to put in drugs into the streets of the United States. Of course that intelligence exists. It exists every day for the last 20 years. When you're not looking for how those organizations are putting that all together and they found a gap to put um, their sort of invasion into play, yeah, you were going to miss it because you were never looking for it. So to me, it's not a surprise. And, and it doesn't show that the men and women who do that work are weakened. It shows to me that their leadership kneecapped them. And you're right. This is going to be a long – Hamas doesn't care how many people get killed on their side or the other side or their partner side or what they don't care. They are just extracting pain and they will go to the ends of the earth to get it done. And now that they have a well-funded partner in Iran, it's going to go for a while, sadly. Yeah, it, it, very scary stuff, Cash. And let me bring it back here uh, stateside. Again, government gangsters, the deep state, the truth, and the battle for democracy. Link is down there in the description below. I also just had uh, Dinesh D'Souza on the show. He's got the new documentary, Police State. I know you're a part of that. How does the government gangsters tie into that? What's your role here in the in, in Police State? Yeah, Dinesh and Bongino got a great movie coming out. I'll be down at Mar-a-Lago for the premiere next week. Um, I, I think Dinesh and I believe... Um, similarly, the, the police state is a great encapsulation of a piece of the deep state, how it is personally, specifically weaponized law enforcement in this community, in this country against things like if you dare to go to church or a school board meeting to stand up for your kids' rights, or you dare to be an America first, quote unquote, MAGA patriot and talk about free speech and the First Amendment and the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms and dare to take on the political narrative that the DOJ and FBI are espousing now and trying to force down our throats to rig another presidential election. I think the police state is how they mechanically at the ground level insert themselves to terrify Americans to thwart another election, to rig another election. And so I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie. I was honored that Dinesh and Bongino had me play uh, a role in it. And uh, hopefully I know the movie's going to be great. Hopefully I did its service, but the government gangsters and police state are, are enmeshed or in my opinion, intertwined with one another. Government gangsters takes it from a singular level to a macro level on how these goons have destroyed government service and in turn destroyed our democracy. And Dinesh comes in and shows you specifically how election rigging at the cop level is taking place. So it's going to be hope, the whole point of my book, Government Gangsters and anything else, is to educate Americans. It's to arm Americans with the truth and to show you that when you put the mission first, this country can be saved. But everything's on the line in 2024. And as long as we go out there and give them the truth, that's why in the back of Government Gangsters, I put like – I think 10 separate government documents in there. Mayor Bowser's letter from January 6th, blowing up her BS narrative. The Capitol Police report against Nancy Pelosi, blowing up her narrative. The Nunes memo, which I think everybody should read and go watch the plot against the president. Things like that, because 
Those are the government's own words <clears throat> crippling the, <clears throat> excuse me, the narrative that they have lied about for years that Donald Trump is bad and America is in a better place now. Yeah, two more world wars, <clears throat> Chinese fentanyl killing our youth to the tune of 100,000 a year and dozens of terrorists infiltrating. And that's why Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah is directly related to what's going on on our southern border. They have been seeding terrorists across our southern border for two plus years. And the FBI just admitted that they can't find at least two dozen of them. Yeah, that sick. is a police state gone rogue. Yeah, sickening. Yeah. And we're also just about, it seems, moments away from China invading Taiwan to add to this, too. So it just keeps getting worse. And I think people are just so pissed off. And, you know, uh, I'm curious, Cash, because you were in the administration, you were in there. So many of the people that undermined Donald Trump when he was the president. I mean, I, I, he, his own press secretary there uh, came out and wrote a book against him, openly admitted she didn't even vote for him. And it's like you had so many guys at Pence. It took us a while to figure out who this guy really was. How hard is it? to figure out who is who when Trump got in there. And now is he armed with the with the knowledge now to be able to be more careful and more selective? God forbid we, we can get him into the White House again here uh, to make better selections for the people that he's going to surround himself with. How difficult is that to weed these people out? Look, it's hard. You know, when President Trump and I talk about it in my book, when they first came in, a guy who had never been in government service ever <clears throat> won the White House, which I thought in and of itself was awesome. And he came in and he said, oh, OK, all these legions of career government service people, I should be able to rely on you to do the apolitical mission, especially when it comes to national security, defense, law enforcement, economy, healthcare, stuff like that. But they had lost their minds. They had lost their minds before he was even elected. Remember, Russiagate was an operation to rig a presidential election and prevent him from coming in. And when he got in, they doubled down on Hillary Clinton's bogus funded dossier, which lied about President Trump, which misled hundreds of thousands of voters. And he still won. So if you knew they were doing that back then, the, the, the main takeaway for your audience from today is they're on Russiagate 27.0 now. They've learned from their mistakes. They've learned from the Hunter Biden laptop, the 51 Intel letter. They're putting more plays on the scoreboard. And if we don't arm ourselves with the truth, we're going to get defeated. But the good news is this. <clears throat> I have served with hundreds of individuals who are America first, MAGA first warriors who put the Constitution first. And they exist. And the hard part was rooting out these government gangsters. And a lot of them are Republican appointees. Look, I'm talking about Bill Barr, Mark Esper, Pompeo, Gina Haspel, Makasoni, Mark Milley. The list goes on. Every one of them is named in my book and how they failed America, more importantly, is named in my book. But <clears throat> what I'm most proud of is the bench that we have to replace these folks and the solutions that we use in not just personnel, but with Congress and budgeting. And yes, Firing government employees because government service is not a right. It's a privilege. And when you sign up to serve, nobody makes you do it. And when you break the rules and the law and the canons of ethics, you're out. Like at DNI, Rick Rennell and I fired temp or eliminated 10% of the workforce. Nobody wanted to do it. And we've created this fiction that, oh, you can't fire anyone in government. That's exactly what it is, a total fiction. And I've been working uh, relentlessly, as so many other people have with President Trump, to get the right names up on the scoreboard for us. And they're there. And, you know, the hard part right now is winning. <clears throat> and I think now having lessons learned from the last iteration about these people who wanted to come in and literally overtake a duly elected president because they couldn't believe he was going to destroy the corrupt swamp, the defense industrial complex, the lobbyist industry, which owns all these goons, which is why now you want a or now you see a notion of, no, no, we don't just need one bill. We need one bill for two wars. 
and we want to fund $500 billion. All of this is in the book. The defense industrial complex is they do great work, but they also own Republicans and Democrats. And Donald Trump threatened their payday, threatened their golden parachute and their payout. And that's why they went so hard and fast to him. But we can win. Yeah, nobody burns through cash more than uh, the government does. <laughs> the, the, the government will uh, step over a dollar to pick up a penny. There's no doubt about that. Last two things real quick yeah. here, Cash. Just want to get your take. It seems like to me, regardless of the outcome of the 2024 election, there's going to be a major problem in this country, no matter which way this swings. Are we headed for a civil war? Can we avoid it? I think we can. I think, you know, the left wants us to take that bait. And for your audience, and I think I've been in 10 different states for the Government Gangsters book tour, I tell everybody the same thing. It's the most important message. Don't take the bait. Don't, be, don't become the right-wing conspiracy that we are not because the left wants it to. Use the truth. And also, it's not an I told you so moment. It's an education moment. Look, CNN lied to you about Russiagate, about Ukraine 1, 2, impeachment, Hunter Biden, 51 Intel letter. Um, and there's a two-tier system of justice at play, which we didn't even get into, but that's a central tenet of government gangsters. If we educate the Americans with the facts and the documents, then not only can we avoid civil war, we can send Donald Trump back to the White House. And if we do so, last question, Cash, who, do you, who would be your pick if you could pick it for Donald Trump, vice president? Who's his running mate? Uh... Man, you know, look, only Donald Trump can make that decision. But, you know, there's guys out there like Dr. Ben Carson who are just absolutely brilliant and would never subvert. And that's the key. Whoever he picks can't be someone who has the notion of wanting to become president because they are going to do what Mike Pence did to him and undercut him to make themselves the number one just for political purposes. So there's a lot of great candidates out there. Um, and look, the good thing is Donald Trump will pick in Donald Trump's time. And that doesn't have to be till next summer. Yeah, well, very well said. Great point, Cash. I could talk to you all day about this stuff. I'm honored that you gave me a few minutes of your time here. Government gangsters, the deep state, the truth, and the battle for democracy. The link is down there in the description below. Cash Patel, thanks for giving me your time. Thanks so much for having me on the show. All right. Honored to have Cash Patel on the Alec Lay Show. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, leave me a comment or uh, get involved in the live chat. Let me know what you thought about it. Again, if you missed my interview with Dinesh D'Souza prior to this, roll it back and check it out. Police State is out now. Use the link down below to watch it. Also, use the link down there for the new book by Cash Patel, Government Gangsters. We are in trouble here. We have got to save this country, and it's going to take patriots like Dinesh, like Cash, to get it done. And so share this information with as many people as possible. And I think, you know, it was uh, President Ulysses Grant that said it at, at a time where I think it's really necessary uh, for this phrase as well, whereas there are only two parties, patriots and traitors, and two of those patriots are Dinesh and Cash. And I know you are if you're watching this broadcast uh, as well. So we're in a dangerous point here right now. And just as I said to Cash, no matter what happens in 2024, chaos is going to ensue. If Trump gets in, if Trump doesn't get in, we are fixing for a problem here in this country. So I don't know what that fallout is going to look like. Uh, but it's guys that are going to be on the front line that hit us with the news first, just like Cash Patel, just like Dinesh D'Souza. So honored to have them on the podcast. Again, I only get them on here because of you. You keep this show going. You're keeping it popular here on Rumble. Thank you so much. And again, if you want to join me on Locals, the link is right down there below the video you're watching on Rumble. Now, I got... Uh, Thursday on the podcast, I've got Alex Marlowe, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart. He's joining me here on the podcast. He's got a new book out titled Breaking Biden. So we're going to take a real deep dive into Biden and the Biden family. So come back here on Thursday. 
1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Rumble. Don't forget, I, myself, will be on the bottom line on Fox Business tomorrow, somewhere about a quarter to 7, 6.40, somewhere in that range. So if you want to check me out on there, watch Fox Fox Business at about 6.40 tomorrow, Eastern Standard Time. And I will play some of the highlights here on Thursday for you guys that miss out. Uh, Again, uh, very grateful to have Dinesh D'Souza and Cash Patel join me on the podcast. And follow me on Twitter or X at Alec Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. Got some really, really great ones that I'm going to announce real soon. So follow me on there as well. Again, uh, I couldn't do it without you guys. Thank you so much. We've got a country to save here. And I hope that I can be a part of that solution set by bringing on guys like this uh, and bringing them to you. So uh, thank you so much for watching. I'll be back here, as I said, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Rumble. Um, That's all I got for you guys. Follow me here on Rumble, and I'll see you on Thursday. God bless all you listeners and parents out there. God bless our military and first responders. God bless America, and I'll catch you next time on The Alec Lay Show.